Russia has lost. They've lost strategically, operationally, and tactically, and they are paying an enormous price on the battlefield. But until Putin ends his war of choice, the international community will continue to support Ukraine with the equipment and capabilities it needs to defend itself. Through this group, we are collectively supporting Ukraine's ability to defend its territory, protect its citizens, and liberate their occupied areas. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? Good news. The war in Ukraine is over. Russia has lost. We have nothing more to worry about, according to General Mark Milley. Arguably a communist. I absolutely despise this dude. Despise. He is so clearly clearly owned by the CCP. And I don't say that lightly. You guys know I don't call people feds unless I'm really, really think it. And that's like two people I've ever said it about. And I don't call people owned by the CCP. That dude is owned by the CCP. That's my honest opinion. Or he's just in alignment with them ideologically. So it's a, you know, there's no real difference there. Uh, welcome to Liberty Lockdown. This is Clint Russell. Thank you guys for tuning in once again quickly becoming one of the more banned people on the internet. Why? I don't know. I'm all about that peace and love and prosperity, but that's not allowed anymore. Welcome to 1984. George Orwell didn't dream big enough. So yeah, the war is over, according to Mark Milley. And yet, and yet, we must continue to support them indefinitely because wars that have already been lost continue forever apparently uh what an utter joke i'm sorry if you listen to anybody else that isn't <laughs> just a talking head on on tv and not in the biden administration uh there is plenty of reason to believe that ukraine is not only victor not only not victorious but also arguably losing terribly um so I don't have a hard opinion on this. I'll just tell you my personal assessment after listening to a bunch of different people from a bunch of different arenas. I don't think they're doing so well. And as far as I've seen, uh, Russia is ramping up with in excess of 400,000 additional troops to invade. Um, that's bad. That's really bad news. Uh, by the way, I will be speaking on January, or excuse me, February 19th in DC at the Rage Against War rally. I hope some of you guys come out to that. Um, Kim Iverson, Jimmy Dore, Scott Horton, bunch of people. Reed Coverdale, my homie. It's going to be a really great experience. I, I've never spoken in front of that many people live, so I'm a little nervous. Uh, but I think you guys know I have that anti-war fire in me, and I think I'll do just fine. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's really it's disturbing. It's disturbing that. It's being portrayed in such a fashion that like, okay, so let's let's just do the, the logical progression here. Russia is losing, according to Mark Milley, in Ukraine. Has already lost. They're not even losing. They've already lost tactically, strategically, blah, 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 blah. And yet, the reason we're doing this is because if he were victorious, Putin would roll over the rest of Europe. Any cognitive dissonance striking for you yet? Does that make any fucking sense at all? I didn't think so. Uh, yeah, so you can do your own math there as to one of those is a lie, okay? 
because if Russia has any hopes of being this dominant force that just flattens all of Europe, well, then that clearly means that Ukraine is losing terribly. I think it's somewhere in between is the truth, is that Russia thought it could run over Ukraine pretty easily, uh, didn't expect basically the entire government and military to be funded and armed by all of NATO, but primarily the U.S. taxpayer. And that's where they're at now. So they are up against it. And I think that when Putin talks about this as being basically a war against all of NATO, because he's going to have a big announcement next week, uh, I don't think he's lying. That's essentially what this is. Sure, we don't have our troops actually firing rounds yet, thankfully. Uh, but is it that much of a difference? Because they're not you know, French or German or American soldiers, but they are using our weaponry and our funding and our tactics and our surveillance. Like, does the flesh of the human being make that much of a difference? It's a fair question to ask, right? I would say it doesn't make that much of a difference. It means that it's a proxy war. It is clear as a day. By the way, I will be debating Destiny, very famous YouTube debater on the Russian-Ukraine war's history, lead-up, U.S. participation, and whether or not we should continue to be supporting Ukraine uh, live in Tennessee in, uh, in March. So that's going to be awesome. I hope you guys turn out for that. Going to be the first time I've ever done a debate live. Uh, apparently, there's going to be like a thousand people there. Should be really exciting. And I feel like if I lose that debate, you guys get to kick me out of the libertarian movement. Out of the liberty movement in general, period. I'm out. Because if I can't win that debate, I don't belong. So, yeah. I'm going in there fairly confident because I feel like I have truth and morality on my side. We shall see. Um, quick side note. I, I wanted to explain to people why I ban or block so much. Because uh, I, I know... There's probably some listeners of mine that have been blocked by me, and I apologize. And by the way, I, I undo blocks all the time. Like if you have been blocked unnecessarily, um, just you know, ask someone to tell me and I'll, I'll undo it. But the, the reason I do it is, I mean, I've been doing it for a while because I've, I've noticed something as my account grew in size on Twitter. Uh, and I think this is going to be really interesting to you guys. So don't tune out. You'll, you'll find this fascinating. If you remember during the early invasion stage, there was these NAFO trolls, as they're called, NAFO trolls, that they always have these dog emoji, or not dog emoji, but dog uh, profile pics. And they usually have, you know, blue and yellow. They have the whole Ukraine flag um, flying proudly throughout. If you look at these accounts, they don't look organic. Okay. They don't look organic at all. And because of my Eliza Blue, fiasco last month, I got to see another non-organic thing. Um, there are, it, I've seen hundreds. I don't know if there's, there's probably thousands of accounts that are created recently, have nothing but hashtags that are dedicated to like Eliza Blue scandal, Eliza Blue this, Eliza Blue that. And they're not real people. Now, a lot of people think when Tim Pool or anybody else talks about this, that they are dismissing the actual human beings that are really upset with Eliza for what they believe about her. Um, that's not what I'm saying. There are obviously real people involved. So let me make that very clear. First off, 
But the bigger point is this. There are operations a la COINTELPRO that are happening that I believe because you went, you migrated right from CBS, ABC, NBC being like the three networks. That's all that the CIA, the FBI, the government had to manipulate and control narrative on 30, 40 years ago. That's all they had to do. <clears throat> now, well, and then, then the 90s comes around, you have cable news, you have more channels and more outlets that you have to manipulate and control and buy off people and try and own more and more of the talking heads. Then the internet comes. Problem. There are now thousands, if not millions of voices out there that they want to be able to silence. And they can't do it because these are private businesses. Here comes in the Twitter leaks. Twitter leaks has now demonstrated to us clearly that the it is not just an advisory role, but essentially an instruction manual on, hey, we don't want this content and we expect you to just blanket ban anyone saying this narrative we don't want out there. There's evidence of it. So this is no longer in the conspiracy theorist realm. We all have seen it. It's real. That's what's been happening. So you have that piece of it demonstrated to me that that the the government is very privy to how dangerous it is to have an uncontrolled narrative right particularly when they're lying through their fucking teeth covid was really the first uh full rollout of this but i think that it's now being used on smaller things and creating mobs and uh you know persecution cycles of internet figures i know i sound crazy stick with me here so I start to see, even though I was like in the periphery of the Eliza drama, I start to see these accounts that are popping up out of the blue on my stuff that are saying the same thing. I want to talk about this. Uh, condemn, condemn, condemn. It's like they are really demanding that people with any level of voice, like I'm not huge or anything, but I have somewhat of an audience that they're saying, we need everybody to be condemning this person. Now, why? Would they care if Clint Russell condemns Eliza Blue? Why? Why why do I need to do why does Tim Poole need to do it? Like, okay, so say say everything that you guys think about her is true and she's total fraud. Who gives a fuck? Who cares? Okay, we move on. Like, then block her, move on. It's not that big of a deal, right? It's not like she's She's not like starting World War Three. There's not. They're like. There's really important things. It's not the Nord Stream pipeline. It's not Ohio that has you know chemical burns of people that's happening right now. It's like there's so many important stories out there. It's not the Hunter Biden laptop. It's not whatever. The list goes on and on. It's a very minor thing in the grand scheme of things, and it's not being treated as if it's a minor thing. And I think that there is the potential. I can't prove it at this point, but. I think there's the potential that her interaction with very powerful people, perceived or real, I think that it was just perceived. I don't think it was actually real that she had some sort of like super tight relationship with Elon. She didn't ever meet him or anything like that. Um, but I do, I do believe that they perceived anybody that's elevating and growing a reach that's talking about stuff they don't want to be talked about, they're going to destroy them. Makes sense, right? That's COINTELPRO. That's what they did back in the day. This is the modern iteration of it. They can't just have you blacklisted from ABC, CBS, NBC anymore. They also have to have you basically culturally blacklisted. And because we we live in basically this 
what I believe to be a cultural Marxist revolution, there is a, a ripe environment to create these mobs. I'm sure you've seen it. You know I'm right. So that's all they have to do. They seed the ground. Maybe her story was bullshit. Well, she's talking about some stuff that they don't want her to talk about, whether it be the Epstein case or it be, uh, you know, child trafficking, uh, you know, powerful political involvement in that. Uh, there's a litany of other things. She also was a huge advocate to not allow for the government to be involved in like breaking encryption, for instance, which was very important to someone like me because I want to be able to have encrypted communication because we have this full panopticon surveillance state, right? Like we would all like to be able to think that we could communicate with someone privately. Um, not that you're doing anything bad, but just like, I don't want the government knowing every thought I have and every communication I have. Like it would be nice if they didn't know everything about me. And uh, that is going to be used with the the child porn cases. They're going to use that as a as a entryway to try and break end to end uh, encryption in like all media or excuse me, all communication levels and devices. So I think that the fact that her voice was lending credence to let's demand that social media take these things down. Let's not give the government the power to have a back door to social media or to break end to end encryption to make it illegal, essentially. Uh, I think those are, there's a, a litany of things that, that she may have been targeted for. And I, again, I, I'm still not making a claim as to her guilt or innocence on her backstory. That's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about the bigger picture here about how, because they can no, no longer control the narrative, because there's so many voices that are rising up, so many thousands and thousands of like really prominent voices that have serious audiences. I mean, mine alone, I reach usually 20,000 people per episode. There is so many shows out there that reach hundreds of thousands. Like there's probably 10,000 shows out there that reach 100,000 people per episode. That's impossible. You can't buy them all off. You, you just don't have the manpower. And you don't, because you don't own all of the outlets, you don't own Rumble and YouTube, well, you have to work with them, which is the Twitter leak evidence that we saw. So they did that as best they could. And then they realized, okay, that's not enough. We can't just have Alex Jones unpersoned from everywhere. We need to have another control mechanism. And that is to get the culture to turn against them as best they can. Um, certainly they have done that with Alex Jones to a large extent too. Uh, but I think that that's what we're going to see a lot of moving forward. And the reason I wanted to dedicate a big chunk of this episode to this topic is because I think that people in our community in particular will be victim to this big time, big, big, big time. We're anti-war. Many of us are anti-government. Uh, we are, from their vantage point, kind of public enemy number one, even though we're peaceful. They still see us as a huge roadblock to what they're attempting to accomplish, which is complete narrative control, uh, complete domination of our economy by the military industrial complex. Uh, also being able to crack down on free speech, like uh, the whole bill of rights, like we believe in that they don't, and they don't like having, you know, larger voices out there that are espousing these types of things. If I was them, I wouldn't either. I'd be like, let's get these guys shut up. Uh, so I just really wanted to expand on this on this idea that I've been having. I know it's probably going to make a lot of people 
you know, think I'm nuts. Uh, but I promise you, if you're able to just extrapolate from, go look up the Wikipedia for COINTELPRO. Like this is well-known stuff. Look it up, extrapolate it into our modern technological system, and then take a few steps forward from there. Now include in that uh, AI. Now include in that, like the, what what's it called? The, uh, the video that they just like create whole cloth where it's, it's a person talking, but it's not actually them speaking where they're able to do that. Well, it's not good enough yet. You like all of us are able to, doesn't pass the uncanny valley. Like we can all identify that it's not the real person yet, unless you're a complete idiot, which there are some people out there like that. But any of us, we can tell that it's bullshit at this point. Five years from now, not so sure. Not so sure we'll be able to tell. So there is going to be ample opportunity for them to create whole cloth narratives and lies about people in our movement that we will not be able to laugh off. It'll look real. It won't be real, but it will look real. And I don't know when it's going to start to hit broadly. Uh, I think these are kind of like trial runs where they're, they're ramping it up. They're, they're, they're testing it out. They're seeing how, how easy it is to manipulate people. Let me, one other reason that this works so well is that there's this entire ecosystem of drama, like cycles that happen where public figures like Jack Murphy, who's also been on the show and I got shit for that too, um, where when they're having a downfall for some sort of reputational issue, there is an entire ecosystem that profits tremendously off of that moment. So if they see it happening, there's going to be lots of people that unwittingly contribute to that process in a very aggressive fashion. And their audience of 20,000 or 100,000 or more uh, viewers will then see that angle and only know that angle of things and buy into that narrative. And then they become the mob. It's so easy. Like, I don't know why this isn't being talked about more broadly. But if you just think about it rationally, I think you guys will will conclude that I'm not so nutty to be talking about this. So food for thought. Uh, what I would encourage of you moving forward is particularly people that you've been listening to for a long time, that if you start to see crazy stories about them, you vet it like as hard as possible before you conclude that it's legitimate. Um, Obviously, there are going to be some people that are taken down because they're bad people. And it's important that you don't just like give everyone a pass because you're now skeptical. Uh, but I think being skeptical is the proper vantage point to take early on, to think about it as calmly and as rationally as possible. And then if you are able to see real provable evidence that they are this bad person that you did not suspect at all, okay, well then throw them in the dumpster. They're done. Um, but first, first glance, be skeptical. I think, I think that we're going to see a lot of reputational attacks against a lot of prominent people, not just in our world. It's going to happen to politicians. It already has happened. To politicians. Matt Gates is a good example. I think if DeSantis is not the chosen one for the, you know, the takeover of the GOP and the presidency, I think that he'll be destroyed by this. Uh, I'm still on the fence as to whether or not he is the real deal or if he is a controlled opposition candidate that they would prefer. We'll see. Uh, but there are 
lots of instances of this that I think you are going to see being used not just against the highest level of, of the political class, but the political commentator class and, and even other layers. So be aware. Hope that was interesting. I hope you don't think I'm crazy now. <laughs> you know what? Screw it. I'm going to tell you about COINTELPRO because I don't want to make you go and have to look it up yourself. I'm just going to read it. COINTELPRO, derived from counterintelligence program from 1956 to 1971. Yeah, it ended in 1971. Sure it did. Uh, was a series of covert and illegal projects actively conducted by the United States FBI aimed at surveilling, infiltrating, discrediting, and disrupting domestic American political organizations. FBI records show COINTELPRO resources targeted groups and ind individuals the FBI deemed subversive. Hmm, sounds like someone I know. Including feminist organizations, the Communist Party USA, anti-Vietnam War organizers, activists of the civil rights, and black power movements. Uh, for examples, Martin Luther King Jr., the Nation of Islam, and the Black Panther Party, environmentalists and animal rights organizations, the American Indian Movement, Chicano and Mexican-American groups like the Brown Berets and the United Farm Workers, independence movements, including Puerto Rican independence groups such as the Young Lords and the Puerto Rican Socialist Party, a variety of organizations that were part of the broader New Left, and white supremacist groups such as the Ku Klux Klan, and the far-right group, National States Rights Party. In 1971, in San Diego, the FBI financed, armed, and controlled an extreme right-wing group of former members of the Minutemen, anti-communist paramilitary organization, transforming it into a group called the Secret Army Organization that targeted groups, activists, and leaders involved in the anti-war movement. Using both intimidation and violent acts, the FBI has used covert operations against domestic political groups since its inception. However, covert operations under the official COINTELPRO label took place between 1956 and 71. Many of the tactics used in COINTELPRO are alleged to have seen continued use, including discrediting targets through psychological warfare, PSYOPs smearing individuals and groups using forged documents and by planting false reports in the media, harassment, wrongful imprisonment, illegal violence, and assassination. According to a Senate report, the FBI's motivation was protecting national security, preventing violence, and maintaining the existing social and political order. Tell me that doesn't ring a bell to you. Tell me. Clint, you're crazy. Sure, they did it for 20 years. They stopped, though. <laughs> no, they didn't. I'm telling you, I have I have spotted, just through my own weird paranoia, <laughs> I have spotted the seeds of what I believe to be the next iteration of COINTELPRO. Now, it doesn't have a name yet. I'd say COINTELPRO 2.0 has a nice ring to it. Um, yeah, and what you'll notice in that group is that they didn't list libertarians. Now, libertarians didn't really exist, seeing as COINTELPRO ended in 71. So, man, we're kind of the next ones. And what's interesting about this is that I feel like my particular group of libertarians are the ones that have not been uh, subverted themselves. You know, they're the ones that are still anti-war and still believe in gun rights and free speech and the right to protest and whatever else. We are kind of, in many ways, the ultimate enemy to these people from their perspective. So I think it's fair to ask the question, 
Now, I can't necessarily prove it. We pay, we probably won't know for a very long time unless there's some sort of whistleblower that, that leaks the documents or there's some sort of investigation. Perhaps this new uh, commission that Massey is chairing will uncover some of this. TBD. We shall see. Um, but I think it's important that people are privy to what I'm talking about and, and at least have their eyes open to the possibility that I might be right. I have not heard a single person talk about this. Yes, sure, some people think about there being like active FBI agent infiltrators that exist within the Libertarian Party or the socialist movements or whatever else. I'm sure that exists and happens too. This is a much bigger thing and it's going to be much harder to spot because it's going to be utilizing, in my opinion, bot networks on social media. So keep that in mind. And, and the other reason that I say that it's important to note that, you know, we haven't given up on all of these fights that are truly, you know, in opposition to the state's interests in terms of maintaining narrative control. Many of these organizations listed here have been subverted. They, they no longer are really eye on the prize because, in my opinion, they have used the uh, identitarian politics and intersectionality, yada, 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 to basically make these people defanged. They no longer are capable of identifying who is ultimately a very significant threat to them, which unfortunately appears to be our current FBI, the current iteration of the FBI. And when you add in the fact that the latest update, as I've mentioned many times, Biden's first day in office, he instructed DHS to begin targeting domestic terrorism as opposed to foreign terrorists. And who did they list in that? You bet your ass. Libertarians made the list. Brennan even brought it up on, on TV, former head of the CIA. So yeah, uh, I don't think the, I don't think I'm crazy on this one. I really don't. I'll let you decide. What do you think? Let me know in the comments down below. Have I lost my mind? You tell me. Just as if you have a unqualified pilot, your life may end in disaster. Well, you need to take your life off of autopilot because you will guarantee yourself disappointment. And the way you change that is to take care and take over and take charge over something that really matters in your life. And that is your healthcare decisions. We all know that the system isn't working, but thanks to CrowdHealth, we can do something about it. CrowdHealth puts your healthcare back in your hands, cuts out the middlemen, saves money and funds your healthcare costs without relying on big government or big insurance companies. What a novel concept, huh? Stop relying on big government or the big insurance companies, which are so deeply in bed with the government. It's ridiculous. Let's be honest. It's all broken, but there is a better way. CrowdHealth has a better way to fund your healthcare costs. You can see any doctors you want, no deductibles, exclusions, or co-pays. You only pay the first $500 of any healthcare event. The CrowdHealth community takes care of the rest. No exclusive doc ne doctor networks, no huge premiums or high deductibles, and no surprises. Gotta love it. So take charge of your healthcare today with CrowdHealth and for a limited time, join for just $99 per month for your first six months when you use promo code lockdown at joincrowdhealth.com. That's joincrowdhealth.com, promo code lockdown. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Terms and conditions may apply. Now let's get into some shit that'll definitely make you think I'm crazy. We got RFK Jr. on my great friend, the Kim Iverson Show. Let's check it out. 
there were 138 companies that may that were involved in manufacturing and distributing the vaccine. They're all military contractors. The Pentagon and the National Security Agency ran the entire pandemic response. Pfizer and Moderna don't really own those vaccines. You know, they slapped their their labels on them, but it they, it was a Pentagon project. I haven't uh, dug deep enough to prove that out at this point, but let me tell you, from what I have read, and I and I have I listened to the audiobook of RFK, uh, the most recent one, and yeah, there's a hell of a lot of evidence to say that that's likely what occurred here. Um, that doesn't mean necessarily that the virus was created for this purpose and they did all that. Like it can all just be potentially. I don't think so, but potentially. Uh, you know, natural responses to a pandemic and they decide, okay, well, what's the institution we trust the most to deal with all this? Oh, of course, it's the military or the military industrial complex. Plus it gets our, our donors paid. Sure, it could all be that. Or it could be a lot more nefarious. And I lean that direction, just being honest with you. Um, I don't want to make any firm claims at this point because I'm not sure, but man, it looks bad. It looks bad. I'm going to keep covering that since I'm not on YouTube and <laughs> I can actually talk about this now. Um, so I'll, uh, I'll reserve judgment a little bit. And uh, I have a guest that I've reached out to that would be able to really shed light on this. So stay tuned. We'll see if that can happen. This came out a week ago, but it was so profound. I had to play it for you. I know from my Twitter feed uh, that many of you have wondered why I have been off the air for a little while. On December 30th, I woke up with severe pains both in my chest and in my it left shoulder, and down. it was like a tightening in my chest when I took deep breaths. I was diagnosed with pericarditis, inflammation of the lining what? of my heart, brought on by a virus, a literal common cold. Three days later, I was readmitted when I felt a flutter in my heart, and I had just... developed myocarditis, inflammation of the actual heart now. In the end, it was still just the cold that was doing all of this. A cold? A damn common cold? It's like <laughs> Here's my buddy's Lodge twins. Uh, yeah, look. Did you ever hear about cases of myocarditis or pericarditis from the common cold prior to COVID? Ever. No, me either. Uh, so... I don't think so. I think that there's, I mean, it's just proven that there are cases of myocarditis that come from a side effect of the vaccines. It's not common. I'm not saying it's common, but it does happen. And for her to buy and sell to her huge audience on NBC News that this is just a common cold, the consequence of a common cold, man, it's bad. It's bad. Like, could it be? Sure, maybe. But for her to say definitively in any way is just such a disservice to her audience. And a not surprising one. I mean, we all know. We've all seen the, the sponsors uh, sponsored by Pfizer. Like, all of these news organizations, that's where they get their bread and butter. So it's just, it's just disturbing. It's just disturbing that there's such a disconnect from the news casting arena and the truth. <laughs> There's such a disconnect. Um, I mean, even if you don't want to come to a firm, firm conclusion, it's just wild to me that she almost died. Like she's going to have lingering issues because of her heart 
for God knows how long. And like, even just for her own sake, you're not more inquisitive. Like you don't want to know. You're just going to take it at face value. Like, ah, no, not a chance. I think that's wild. And I think it's really sad that like, I care about my audience. I do. And I don't know if like these people have that in them to feel that. Like if it's just been drained out of them by so many years of sticking to the script and sticking to the narrative that they're force fed. But I have to believe somewhere in them is still a soul and a moral compass to some extent. Like when does your moral compass get so out of alignment that you feel compelled to break free and to say, look, folks, I had for the first time in my life as a young, healthy woman or 40 or whatever age she is, uh, a heart issue, like a really serious one. And I was out for weeks and I almost died. And the only thing I can think of is that, yeah, I got the vaccines and I got the boosters and I'm thinking to myself, look, I know it's rare, but I probably am one of the people that had the side effect and I don't want to panic you guys, but I would encourage you maybe to go talk to your doctors if you've also been vaccinated and you're feeling any sort of shortness of breath. Like she could save lives. Like she could save lives of people in her audience. And instead, I had a common cold and a heart attack because of it. Come the fuck on, man. It's just, it's just crazy. It's crazy to watch. So I don't know. That's all I got to say about that. Let me say it to my audience. Look, if you're having shortness of breath, <laughs> if you're if you're having chest pains for the first time in your life, it might just be anxiety. That's possible because I've had that too. But if you got the jab, maybe take it a little bit more seriously and get yourself checked out. Just make sure. Just make sure that you're okay. Like, I don't want any of you guys to die because of this bullshit. And I'm not saying it's likely. It's actually very, very statistically unlikely that any of you will have any issues. Well, not any of you. Some of you probably are. But most of you won't. And I hope that all of you don't. But if you're having any sort of signs, please take it somewhat seriously and just, just make sure that you're all right. Because I love you guys. Stick around, all right? This is a wild one from uh, Mythinformed Mike. Says, uh, when did medicine start sounding like a cult? The Columbia Medical School has altered its Hippocratic oath to include pledges of fealty to neo-Marxist and woke ideology. Now, you may think that he's overstating it. I don't think so. Check this out. Wild. Wild. We enter the profession of medicine with appreciation for the opportunity to build on the scientific and humanistic achievements of the past. We also recognize the acts and systems of oppression affected in the name of medicine. We also recognize the systems of oppression in the name of medicine. What does that sound like to you? Structural racism, yada, yada, yada. We take this oath of service to begin building a future grounded in truth, restoration, and equity. Restoration and equity. What the fuck do doctors have to do with that? <laughs> I mean, if you want to treat all patients because you already took an oath to do no harm, then do that. I don't think any of this is a necessary addendum to your oath. To fulfill medicine's capacity to liberate. I promise to take care of my future patients by engaging in dialogue, listening to their lived experience. <laughs> lived experience, baby. Why are we talking about lived experience? Just ask them about, 
I mean, I, I would love if doctors would start to ask people about their diet and exercise routine and whether or not they're actually taking care of themselves because doctors do not do a good enough job of that. However, asking them about their lived experience, you're not a fucking therapist, all right? You're there to make sure that they are healthy. That's the job. If they need help with their brain, that's someone else's duty. That ain't yours. And putting that on their table is going to end in disaster. And tailoring my recommendations to their unique circumstances. I acknowledge the past and present failures of medicine to abide by its obligation to do no harm and affirm the need to address systemic issues in the institutions I uphold. I promise to critically examine the systems and experiences that impact every person's health and ability to receive care. I vow to use this knowledge to uplift my patients and disrupt the injustices that harm them as I forge the future of medicine. I promise to self-reflect diligently, to confront unconscious prejudices, and to develop the skills, knowledge, and character necessary to engender an inclusive, equitable field of medicine. Anytime you hear them talking about equitable, just know that you are dealing with someone, I'm not saying that they're overt Marxists, but they have deeply imbibed of that elixir. Let us bow our heads in recognition of the gravity of this oath. We swear to faithfully engage with these ideals and obligations for the ongoing betterment of medicine and humanity. It's like a fucking Mad Libs for commies. That's what that was. So yeah, I, uh, I just want you guys to be aware. This is the type of shit we're going to be dealing with in a lot of industries you do not expect. And... You already had a fealty test when it came to the COVID response and like whether or not doctors would, for instance, you know, refuse to prescribe hydroxychloroquine or whatever, ivermectin. Yeah. They already put them through the ringer. They already threatened licensure. Um, this is going to be coming for every professional class that has any sort of governmental licensing. You may think I'm overstating it. I promise you I'm not. It has already made its way. Its, its nose is under the tent, as they say. It's coming. It's largely already here, but it is going to get so much worse. And I don't think people are at all prepared for it. Now, there's a distinct possibility that the uh, infrastructure calamities that we've been witnessing in America over the past month are reprisal from Russia. I know a lot of libertarians are going to disagree with me on this. I'm not saying it for a fact. I'm saying I would be surprised if Russia is just allowing us, not us, the U.S. government, military, to dismantle so much of what they're attempting to accomplish and, and not have any reprisal whatsoever. So, you know, we blow up Nord Stream, they blow up our train lines. Just think about it. Just think about it. It's a possibility. But the alternative answer to what's occurring is, say, it's not tit-for-tat warfare uh, subterfuge that we're not you know, being told about. Say it's just that we have now pushed out so many highly qualified people, whether it be because of age or some sort of political litmus test that you're starting to see more and more people retiring as opposed to dealing with the ESG and the wokeification of their employment. Well, what do you end up with? You end up with a bunch of college graduates 
that don't know a goddamn thing about how a goddamn thing works. And I think that we're going to see a lot of that. And if you saw, there was an interview recently with Tucker Carlson where a, it was off the record, like they didn't put a name to it, but I've talked to pilots and I know that this was, this sounded true to me. Um, I think it was a United pilot saying that there are so many candidates, like they can't, they can't get enough pilots, right? So all the people that they're hiring, like they're hiring people all the way down to just high school level education. They're putting them directly into the pilot training program. And these fucking people can't do the job. Extrapolate that, which already is existential, right? Like we all have to fly from time to time. Like you have a pilot that can't do their job because they're being hired based off of equity or whatever. Well, that's dangerous. That's not just dangerous to the people on the plane. It's the dangerous to the people on the ground too, mind you, because planes, when they crash, they hit something. So even if you're not on a plane, still concerning that you have a bunch of fucking idiots that are flying planes. Not to say that people that are diverse can't be great pilots. There's plenty that are. But if you're just hiring for diversity as opposed to actual ability, merit, well, you're going to have people that die as a result. And if you do that in industries like medicine, which they already are, you're going to have a lot of people die. Now extrapolate that to judges and lawyers. Hmm. Now you have innocent people behind bars. Of course, we already do. Just, it's going to get worse. Uh, what else? Cops. You got cops that are being hired based off of diversity as opposed to, you know, merit and their ability to do the job peacefully, hopefully. Well, you end up with more innocent people being beat down and arrested for nothing and thrown in prison. This problem is very, very big. And it's, it's going to be portrayed as like, you know, white racist people that are concerned about this. That is not my concern here. If, if there's a person who's not white and straight and male who does the job better than the white straight male, that's who I want to have that job. I want the best person for the job, regardless of any bullshit skin level qualifications. That's not what they're focused on because when it comes to equity, what they really mean is that anyone who historically based off of any of those categories categories has been oppressed for any period of time, even if it's hundreds of years ago, well, their ancestors now need a leg up and the person who hasn't been oppressed historically based off of skin color, as opposed, as opposed to just being, you know, poor and being oppressed because you've been poor and your family for generations has been poor. No one gives a fuck about you. If you're a straight white guy, sorry, <laughs> bummer for you, but all these other people, they get a leg up and you dear, poor Appalachian friend, you get shat upon. And that ain't cool because I don't believe in any of that because I'm an individualist and I believe in meritocracy. These people don't, and we're all going to pay a price because of it. So any way you can push back against this, you need to. And I said a couple days ago, what we need to see is CEOs need to take a stand. That's a hard ass because of three little letters evil socialist garbage but some of them will and that's good but what's really powerful though hiring managers you ain't got to be a ceo to be a hiring manager if any people that think like me 
or hiring managers that are listening right now, and you hear someone come into your interview room that sounds at all like Pete Buttigieg, if they mention the fucking word equity, shred their application. Get them the fuck out. One more perfect example of what I'm talking about. Someone being hired not based off of skill set and ability, but rather because he checks a box as a gay man. Pete Buttigieg, Secretary of Transportation. Our transportation is imploding. Big, big problems from the airlines to the railways to the fucking roads themselves. This dude is dog shit at his job. Horrifically bad. Can't do the job. Cannot do it. And ironically, he was famous, famously taken down during his presidential run because he couldn't get the goddamn potholes in South Bend, Indiana fixed as the mayor. This guy fucking sucks at infrastructure. And they're like, hey, let's make him the head of infrastructure for the entire nation. What can go wrong? Well, let me tell you, a lot, a lot can go wrong. Like we can all fucking die because of it. So like... It's just very important that in anybody's personal life, if you have any ability to help in this cause at all, I'm not saying just hire straight white guys. I am absolutely not saying that. Hire based off of merit. And even maybe more importantly, hire based off of idea ideology. Like if this person sits down and they're a recent college grad, grad and they come in there and they start talking about oppression or equity or whatever structural racism you already know you already know that they're gone like could they be revived at some point sure let's hope let's hope that they are but you don't want them working for your company i promise you that they are a lawsuit waiting to happen and if if you're lucky enough not to get sued because of them or by them well then you have productivity issues you have safety issues you have the actual job itself not getting done. It's a serious issue. I just wanted you guys to be aware. If you're not in those positions, well, then just pray. Just pray that, that people start to wake up to what we're talking about here because it's going to be problematic. I promise you. Just to give you an example of one of the people that I'm talking about, let's, let's just listen to this. And when you hear this, run the other direction. Intersectionality is a uniting framework. People see common cause with each other. So the reality is that black people are not just uh, straight. They're not just men. They're not just middle class. When we expand our understanding of black reality to include the way the patriarchy, homophobia, class shapes our reality so we can better transform it, it means that we have connections with other movements and other people. And that is exactly why they're trying to force Force us to give up intersectionality and that's why it's a shame that the college board went along with it <laughs> i mean that's on msnbc by the way talking to reverend al the legend <laughs> um, look intersectionality by its very premise is about dividing people based off of race and class and everything marxism that's what it is so for them to say that actually it brings us together it brings us together in our hatred of really straight white people. <laughs> like that's that's really what she's saying. She's not going to say that, but that's really what she's saying. So, uh, no. No. Intersectionality does not bring us together. Sorry. It actually makes me your enemy, even though I love you, for no reason other than what I look like and who I am attracted to. It is fucking evil. Okay? Intersectionality is 
evil. It doesn't deal with any of the issues that actually harm minority or underprivileged classes or any of that shit. It empowers the state. It doesn't help these people. It empowers the state. Do you think that the state is going to solve the issues that ail the black community, for instance? Do you? Boy, you're dumb. <laughs> if there's one entity on earth that has devastated the African-American community, it is the government itself. You don't turn to the poison and ask for more poison and say, God, this poison's got me ill. Could I have some more poison? No, you need anti-venom and liberty is that. They need to be freed and they need to be taxed less and given opportunities or allowed to seek opportunities, not given anything. Uh, man, really disturbing that this narrative, this intersectionality conversation, all of this, like to me, it's just so, and I, I hope for many of you too at this point that it's getting to be like, like you just hear it loud. Like as soon as you hear it, you know what you're hearing. Cause I, that's how I feel now. I can see it. And what's wild is I can see it in the conservative movement. I can. If you, if you've ever seen like, uh, I, I saw recently there was this shirt that was like, sometimes there's a job only a woman can do. It's like, well, yeah, motherhood. <laughs> like That's a really good example. Um, but anytime you start to see like appeals to someone's gender or sexuality, like any of that shit run, run the other direction. That is, that is already in alignment ideolo ideologically with cultural Marxism. They may not think so, but it is. And yeah, dangerous stuff. Dangerous stuff. Keep your eyes open and your ears attuned in because this is not going away anytime soon. I think more people are becoming aware of it. And the more you are aware of it, the more you can fucking dismantle these people in real life. It's very important that when you hear someone talking like this, you devour it. You're capable of it. If you've listened to my show for any period of time, I know you're capable of, of dismantling these arguments. Structural racism and all this shit. Dismantle it. They, they went to college. They were faced with nothing but indoctrination into this worldview, and they never were challenged on it, and their professors were never challenged on it. You can dismantle it in real time, and if it's at a house party or something, even better. Chew them up and spit them out and make them look and feel as dumb as they fucking are. Because at the end of the day, I don't care when someone's wrong about something. That's not so concerning to me. What disturbs me is when someone is a true believer in something that is toxic to civilization. And intersectionality is. ESG is. Anyone espouses either of those things in my presence, they're going to hear from me. And I hope they'll hear from you too. This is one of the, the saddest videos I've ever seen. So I had to break it down with you guys. It's so crazy. It's just a TikTok. Check it out. Two minutes. There are a ton of leftist values in Trump country that I see in the bar all the time. So a few weeks ago, an elderly couple's house. Just to make sure you understood what he said there. There are a ton of leftist values that exist in Trump country. House burned down. They were renting with no insurance and they lost everything. So we held a fundraiser for him at the bar. We put out a press release to the local news, did Facebook events, text trees. But before we did any of that, the community organized itself. One of our oh, the community organized itself. Very leftist. No, friend. 
that's libertarian. And it's some of the good people on the left that don't constantly turn to the government for every problem in their life and say, we're going to do something to help our fellow men. Those are good people. It's not really even politically necessarily monopolized by one group or another. But of course, people that live in the country do shit like that because they haven't had their souls ripped out. So it just drives me crazy that like this is his <laughs> this is his evidence that Trump country sometimes does good things for one another. Our regular is named Hippie. He's been growing his hair out for 15 years, volunteered to auction off his ponytail and invited half of the town. Then a bunch of other people did that, spread the word. And we had an event on our hands before we could even plan the event. People Charity. Charity is now a leftist policy. Well, then, I guess we'll be getting rid of the IRS, right? Because we have charity. We can actually just voluntarily contribute to all of the things that we need our government to provide. Voluntarily. No, of course we can't do that. So, once again, not a leftist principle, quite the contrary. People did it themselves for their neighbors. The other bartender who's going to be in the comments put up her own time and money and made a table of baskets to raffle off. And she doesn't just have time. She's out here raising a kid. So the kid came in the bar and helped us plan. There we are. Local hairstylist, the hair honeys around these parts, donated a salon trip and cut the rest of Hippie's hair in the bar. Then the whole town came out and got plastered like you should. It wasn't black tie or formal by any means. People were rowdy and loud. There were words that had to be broken up before they became fights. And it was... Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't even know what he's saying. So I guess... Like conservatives only dress nicely? Is that his claim? This guy has such a bizarre perspective of what a conservative is. Like, you know, he has to know some. I'm sure half the people involved in this, or more, probably more, are conservatives. And he's like framing it as if, like, this wasn't even a black tie affair. What is, what is happening here? It's the second biggest night in the bar. We raised $1,400 for the family. You might look at that and say it's not much. But around here where homes cost as much as pickup trucks, it is a big freaking deal. This happened because... <laughs> no one's saying it's not much. If, if anyone donates $1,400 to a cause that's beautiful like that, that's beautiful. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it's not much. I'm saying it's not leftist. Because those people share some core values. They might not think about them or put names to it, but it's collective action, solidarity, an injury to one's an injury to all. The fundamental values that make you a leftist. <laughs> no. No. That's not at all true. The fundamental values that make you a leftist is a belief in the state. That's usually 90 plus percent of people on the left, unless they're like ANCOMs, believe in the state. And even some ANCOMs believe in the state, unfortunately. So, no. That is not everything that makes up a good leftist uh, now granted that does make you a good leftist if you're one of those people that that does things for your community voluntarily and charitably that's a beautiful thing but it is not what makes you a leftist and it's certainly not contrary to what it means to be a conservative conservatives just like steel man a conservative for a second you fucking asshole and think about what they actually talk about that's what they talk about they talk about like homeschooling, which means taking more responsibility for your family and your life, getting married and being loyal to your spouse. Like these are all things that you're not asking of the state. And then on top of that, they believe in church life and they believe in 
looking after their community through private fundraising as opposed to having high taxes to deal with everything. Like everything he's describing is what like conservatism 101, its best version of conservatism 101 would also believe in. So infuriating. Are the same ones that are tightly held and come naturally to rural small town America. To the guy. Yeah, exactly. Which is why they're conservatives. That's why it comes naturally to them. Oh my God. Whose house burned down was thanking everybody in the bar, and he made this point several times that something like this would not happen in a big city. It would. But what's interesting to me is that there's so much pride that it happened here. He was proud that collective action, community organizing, looking out for your neighbors is what we still do here and what we've always done. So, <laughs> for the record, it probably wouldn't happen in a big city. You would turn to your insurance company, and that would be the end of it because your neighbors would be like, uh, I don't know you, I've never talked to you before. <laughs> This this wouldn't this would only happen in a big city. What did, ah, this is so bizarre. So zooming out, we need a working class movement to take power from the ruling class. And everybody needs to be on board. We don't have the luxury of writing off entire parts of the country for that, but we don't have to because those values are still alive here, and we need to make sure that they win out over right wing stuff like fear, division, race, you name it. <laughs> So there's the the uh, ultimate thesis. He believes that conservatives, <clears throat> the primary beliefs of a conservative is fear, division, and race. That's what he believes. That is so sad. He's surrounded by these people. He lives in like rural America. You know what this kid is? He's a kid that grew up, you know, somewhat poor in a rural town. He went to college. And he came back and he decided that, look at all these bumfuck backward assholes that I grew up with. <clears throat> I still believe in everything that they believe. And I believe in community action and charity and volunteerism. But I still, I've been told that they're evil. So I'm going to reframe it and say, all of the good things that these people do are actually leftist ideals. These are motherfucking conservatives. Crystal clear. You're out of your mind. Oh. <laughs> that is an infuriating video. I'm not even a conservative and I'm insulted. I'm insulted by that. The conservatives I know are these people. I have my whole family grew up, or my uh, dad's side of the family was all in like rural Colorado Springs, like rural, rural, like 1,200 people in a town, rural, like nobody around. This is what they all are. They're awesome people. They all believe in God and guns and looking out for their neighbors, and that's about it. That's what they're about. This is why I don't hate conservatives. This is why I hate it when conservatives are framed as being these, you know, racist inbreds that <laughs> I don't even know what, what's his fucking belief here? He believes that, so I guess they want state segregation? Do you hear any conservatives talk like that these days? Like any? I don't. I mean, they may want like a separate bathroom for men and women. I guess that's segregation these days in our new <sighs> insane world. Holy shit. This is crazy. Yeah. Look, I hope that kid figures it out one day. I hope he figures it out that like these aren't leftist beliefs that these backwards hicks are participating in. Participating in. These are actually leftist alleged beliefs that the right wing lives out in their day-to-day -day lives. That's actually what it is, man. And the things that most of your leftist friends that you met at college espouse 
is rhetoric for the internet and nothing more. They won't do anything to help anybody else because that's not what they do. They are there to virtue signal and shame and shit on others. Most, not all. And that's about it. That's what the vast majority of people on the left these days are about. Not always. Hasn't always been that way. And I hope we get back to where the good members of the left become the primary members of the left, like the majority, I mean. And they actually, you know, do collective action to end wars, for instance. What an idea. Um, yeah, we need you guys. So I'm not trying to shit on the good leftists that listen to me. I'm sure there's not a ton of you, but uh, I think that there are some that are really good. So if you're one of them, don't take this personally. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> you know exactly who I'm talking about. It's the people that will, uh, you know, post on Facebook all day long about how evil the right is and how, you know, it's all about collective action. But then when you're car breaks down and you're out of money and you ask them, they go, I don't have a job, dude. You think I'm going to give you anything? (laughs) You have to, you actually have to have assets to be able to help people. And unfortunately, recent college indoctrinated grads don't have much to give around. So even if they wanted to, which I don't think they do, but even if they had it, I don't think they'd give it to you. I don't. (sighs) All right. (laughs) We're out of here. Love you guys. I hope I'm still appealing my YouTube. Continue to share that article. Um, I forget what it was called, but it was basically like this declaration of my YouTube manning uh, and see see if you guys can help put pressure on to get my channel back because that would be lovely. If it doesn't happen, well, rumble, rumble, we, we shall. Uh, next Thursday, I will be on Timcast IRL with Josie, the redheaded libertarian. Going to be an awesome, awesome time. Looking forward to that greatly or tremendously. And I hope that you guys will turn out, lend your support, send some super chats, let them know that you appreciate them having me back on. I swear to you, we're not going to talk about Steven Crowder or contract negotiations again. I swear to you on my, on my honor. I refuse to talk about Steven Crowder. God, if he's back in the news cycle that day, I'm going to be so pissed. Better not happen. I'm I'm just going to be like, dude, we spent two hours on this. I can't do it again. I can't. Um, So yeah, check that out. Uh, got a ton of events that are coming up. Actually, I'll I'll drop uh, some like info below so you can see what I'm doing because I'm going to be going to LP Colorado and California and debating te- Destiny in Tennessee and Washington State and uh, I'm sure I'm blanking on a few. Uh, and also, obviously, the Rage Against War rally this Sunday. I will be speaking in D.C. Make sure you guys show up for that. If you're still listening, if you're still watching, it means you're a fucking awesome person. But more than that, it means you're a fan of the show. And you know how you show that? You share it, you like it, and you subscribe to it. Three things. That's all you got to do. And if you're a super fan and you want to actually support the show, go to libertylockdown.locals.com. Sign up to become a supporting member. I do AMAs over there every like month or six weeks. And uh, have you come in on stream with me. We just shoot the shit for an hour. Uh, tonight on Tower Gang will be the great Dave Smith. I may actually release that on this channel just so it gets more uh, attention and eyeballs on it in a couple days. And I guess that's it. I love you guys so much. I'll see you soon. All right. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?